0: Seventeen. our radio salon kicks off uh, with well, some really passionate subjects today, say the least. We have Mr. Jung Wang, uh, Independent Legal Researcher with LawQuant, LLC. Good morning. Morning, Alex. And we'll actually begin with you, Professor Cho Hikyong from Hong Kong University Law School. Good morning and take it away.
1: Good morning. You commented earlier that the young seem to be making more sense uh, rather than the those who are supposed yeah, well, to be older we had and wiser? A,
0: we had, well, we had a listener text in that. And I think I personally responded by, by saying, well, why not listen to the young, when, especially when they make sense? Um, and, uh, you know, I, th- I think that the person texting in is someone in their mid-30s, who felt like they were both inspired and embarrassed by a young teenager, doing so doesn't mean that Ma- every making
1: t- more sense than the man in the White House yeah yes.
0: than the man in the White House y- yes and I think we know who that is
1: but so the first topic yeah. is actually um, exactly this case where the person who should be making more sense is really making less sense than uh, people that he's supposed to be teaching so it concerns um, a professor right uh, at one of the top universities in Korea who has recently come under fire for claiming in his sociology class that wartime sex slavery, um, or comfort women, as they are also known, was a kind of prostitution, that people engaged in it voluntarily, and that this was a civilian activity, and the Japanese military had nothing to do with organizing it. I mean, this was during a, you know, sort of discussion um, session in his class, and one student...
0: And just to stop you there for a second, that would be bad enough and would give us enough to discuss. Yes, But it gets even worse. (laughs) That's
1: true. So one student objected to his statement uh, and questioned the veracity. And then he asked her or suggested to her, why doesn't she herself try it, meaning prostitution? Although later he claimed that, no, he actually meant that, you know, she should go out and do a survey herself but that didn't quite make uh, sense in the context of what he actually said before and after. Anyway, so um, student bodies at lots of universities have uh, protested and um the student organization at this particular university have called for uh, the professor's resignation and the university has responded by discontinuing uh, this particular course that he was teaching but he is a tenured professor professor since 1995 and he continues to teach other courses at um, the university.
0: Well, both of you have experience of being university professors and uh, you are still in that position, professor. How would you respond if a colleague in your own institution had been caught up in this way? Presumably he has some virtues as a professor having been in the position since 1995. But is that enough?
1: Well, even longer than since 1995 because he was tenured since 1995. So he would have had to be teaching you know, for some time before that. Right. Um, you know, I really had to think about it because... It, was this a legitimate objection that was being made? Or is this actually, you know, a restraint and curtailment on um, academic freedom of thought and speech? Because the job of an academic, and I certainly think this is one, um, is to voice thoughts and opinions that may be uncomfortable and that may go against the mainstream. uh, And you know, uh, challenge the sort of mainstream view, but at the end of the day, it has to be based on fact and yeah. historically accurate. And when all evidence is contrary to what you're claiming, then there is some problem with um, making that statement, uh, particularly on you know uh, on a um, in a classroom.
0: And Zhang Huang, it, it matters, doesn't it, the way that an academic challenges? I mean, revisionism um, with room for debate with factual evidence, as uh, Professor Chaw was suggesting, that that's fine. But to make um, a startling claim that would be a, a serious case of revisionism, especially one that would fly against the emotion of the country, um, th- th- extraordinary claims require even more extraordinary evidence. You can't just say that without having some very, very firm evidence backing you up.
2: Well, it goes a little beyond individual academic freedom, I think. Uh, I mean, the, the prof- professor in question, Professor Yusok Chung, he was actually using a recently published book called uh, Anti-Japan tribalism, which is written by a uh, you know, few other scholars who are all part of this movement that has been sort of active in Korea since around 2005, called the New Right movement, and they all seem to sort of subscribe to this. You know, there there's some some general beliefs that they that they have, such as you know, Jap- Japanese colonial times was good for development of South Korea, and you know, the book also talks about how Tokyo really is Japanese territory. And, then, and, uh, and the particular point that he was making that is cause, causing this brouhaha is about how, you know, comfort women were actually prostitutes. I mean, this, there is a movement and a group of people in Korea, in, sometimes in respect, uh, respe, uh, respected places that subscribe to these views. It's
0: so weird to me, and this takes us on a bit of a tangent, but I think we need to kind of clarify it for, for some of our listeners who may be fairly new to the political scene here, that the right might be considered pro-Japanese? Because you would instinctively feel like the right would be pro-Korea nationalistic.
1: Yes, conservative. Uh, but actually,
0: it's this weird situation here where actually the uh, the left is sometimes more nationalistic than the right.
1: Yes, a lot of people sort of point to the fact that um, the uh, those um, people who had cooperated with the Japanese regime during the colonial period uh, were not really sort of uh, made to answer for their actions during that era um, after the war ended and Korea gained independence and they basically managed to cling on to power and you know their sort of successors are still in that kind of leadership positions in at all in all parts of the society and they sort of a lot of people point to that as the the the, the root of the problem.
0: It's a very complex history. Uh, At the end of Japanese colonial rule, some of the actions of revenge against landowners, the rush of some people to North Korea in the spirit of, uh, or or the Northern Territory before it became North Korea Mm. in the spirit of, uh, uh, well, what became, I guess, Juche type ideology uh, of self reliance uh, versus uh, people who um, then stood up for what we now know as the republic of korea mm. there's so much background there that we can't get into but but it's sort of worth referring to in passing i just wonder whether whether we all need to become less emotional about this issue when we talk about it in order to 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 reach a, a social and academic consensus
1: well you know it's not really a matter of being becoming less emotional because i don't think the students who are protesting um, Uh, against the professor's comments were being emotional. They were actually trying to sort of, I think, take back objectivity uh, because he was very much speaking um, from a subjective point of view, not really based on, uh, you know, objective factual evidence. And the episode sort of reminded me um, of uh, Professor David Crystal, uh, who was um, also... I mean, he was a Holocaust denier. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was also a member of the academia at one point. And the question is, just because you happen to have a thesis, are you? should you be allowed to use this kind of platform to um, voice that, especially to, um, you know, in a class of tertiary students who should really be uh, kind of taught what objective uh, you know critique is. He could have if he want he if he wanted to um, problematize this issue, he could have sort of challenged perhaps I don't know, how victimhood is being politicized for certain purposes or other, you know, sort of ways of looking at this issue, but not necessarily making inaccurate claims.
0: D- okay, uh, D- Jong Hwang, coming back to this question of emotion, though, it's very difficult with any connection to Korea, let alone being a, a, a Korean citizen. Um, uh, to, to read the history of the 20th century and not start to feel upset by, by many of the details. And, and, you know, you kind of feel the same way when you read uh, stories of oppression in, in other parts of the world as well. But the difference here is that that, that doesn't f- seem like the victims, the elderly victims, are, are, are all um, resolved. And, and, and many people on their behalf continue to protest with great emotion. And what then happens is outsiders, including anti-Korean outsiders in Japan uh, and some of their sympathizers elsewhere, start to feel like, well, the Korean population is too emotional about this. You can't reason with them. You can't talk about the apologies in the past and and find a, a place of peace. What What's your view of, of how we should navigate that problematic situation?
2: <laughs> is there really a solution, I wonder? I mean, um, unfortunately, for much of 20th century, I think the South Korean solution was just uh, up until the, you know, Comfort Women issue really came to the front in 1991. I think people basically didn't know that the issue even existed. So, you know, <clears throat> much of the South Korean societal response until, <clears throat> you know, full 45 years after, you know, Jap- Japanese colonial rule is to just to just not even think about it, not even really address it as a society. And, you know, even after 45 years i think you know the emo- emotions will run really high
0: yeah it's still pretty fresh isn't it when you look at it in the context of discovering some of these details in the 90s we'll continue this morning and our radio salon next Good morning to you. It's 8.30. This is our radio salon. We have Zhang Huang, independent legal researcher from Lawquant LLC, who will be bringing his issue to us in a moment. Uh, but uh, Professor Choi Kyung from Hongik University Law School has been addressing the question of academic freedom versus hate speech. Where is the line between those, especially when a university professor uh, not only denies... What we've been taught as the reality of wartime sex slavery at the hands of Japan, and claiming this was a kind of prostitution, but also suggesting a student try it when she raised an objection. He later said, "Try it meant try your own survey." Let's just go back to the beginning there for a second, Professor Chou, because we didn't quite clarify this. Um, so let's just say the professor's right, and and what you know that not right about the. Everything, but right about him being honest about saying, "Try it." A survey. What survey was she supposed to carry out? Was she supposed to go to talk to the victims? Was she supposed to survey the Japanese government? What exactly was that survey yeah, exactly. going
1: to be? I mean, it completely didn't make any sense in context of you know what he was actually saying at the time, and so a lot of people are very skeptical about his explanation. Um, but that's the the line that he's sticking with. And the thing is, um, he's not the first academic to uh, be in trouble over these kind of sexist and ill-considered remarks. Just in the spate of uh, a week or so, um, there have been other professors at other universities who've made Um, biased or sexist statements such as oh I see lots of female students during vacation at hostess bars or that his wife is his like 195th woman or something. I mean this is just so inappropriate to to be saying these kind of things to your students. Um, And another professor who says oh if there is a war then Uh, Females will become comfort women and basically sex slaves and uh, men, males will become cannon fodder. I mean, I, I don't really quite understand what context that, you know, he was making these kind of remarks, but it just seems so entirely inappropriate.
0: Okay, let's just get, get to the heart of this question of academic freedom then. Um, at, at what point does academic freedom become hate speech? We have to have an environment. This is what I was also driving at before when I talked about emotion. We have to have an environment in which academics can question anything. But the, But perhaps then the next part is how are they supposed to do that questioning?
1: Well, the questioning has to be based on some sort of verifiable objective, I think, fact-based evidence. They can't simply go around espousing any view that they might care to take um, because they are supposed to have certain amount of intellectual honesty and academic objectivity. And so, you know, evidence-based assertion is, I think, the, the minimum standard that is required. Plus, what they mustn't do is to personalize attacks, you know, um, the response that Professor Ryu made uh, in, to this female student who questioned this statement was very much a almost a personal attack on that student.
0: Yeah, and well, so if he had said, "Well, why don't you go and investigate the issue for yourself uh, and and make your own mind up and, and let me know," th-
1: then it wouldn't have aggravated the situation.
0: But it, but it still quite as much it still would have called into question
1: the first statement. This, yes, this statement of
0: right. of um, why. He would want to characterise this as as prostitution, and and by the way, if this was prostitution involving uh, thousands of of women to keep Japanese troops happy, are the Korean people supposed to feel comforted by that, happy about that? Suddenly, it's okay.
1: Well, this is the point. Um, So he's actually very closely affiliated with the Conservative Party um, to the point of serving as their chairperson for the Innovation Committee. And you wonder to what extent these kind of statements are, you know, motivated by his political beliefs as opposed to, um, you know, pursuit of academic truths.
0: Mm. Zhang Huang, uh, coming back to you on this issue, I have, as I think I'm implying, not much sympathy for the idea of brushing this aside as prostitution, even though I don't agree that uh, it was. I, I think uh, it does a huge disservice to many of the, the girls and women who whose accounts I have personally no reason to um, dismiss when they say they were forced into this. But um, I, I also question uh, the, the, the nature of prostitution as a trade anyway. Uh, and, and again, that's a tangent. But I'd like to ask you about this academic freedom issue do you think that professors should be allowed to stand and fall based on their comments in other words if you're a holocaust denier and you're an academic in in the uk you're not going to get necessarily very far in your career likewise in korea if you want to deny the reality of this comfort women issue um, you're not likely to get very far or are you
2: well, that's debatable. I mean, from the larger society, just as you know, Professor Yu is facing, you will face a great backlash. But there is a small, as I mentioned, you know, this the new right movement. You know, you know, in the previous conservative government, they managed to, you know, sort of push the agenda of having a new history, a new history that, you know, corrects all the leftist leanings of, you know, other historians in, in Korea. In order, I mean, the project failed, basically. But, you know, it actually gained quite a bit of political support. So, I mean, there is, you know, sort of like a you know, far-right movement in any other country. I mean, this pseudo-academic, pseudo-political movement has, you know, some legs and they have money, some some money coming from Japan. You know, Professor Yu has been accused of accepting, you know, money from, you know, some questionable Japanese sources in the past. So, I mean, it's not a total career, career killer in Korea. But,
0: you know it makes me want to go and do some podcast series examining in great detail because there are so many hours that should be devoted to this to, to get i don't know if consensus is the right word but to get a common sense attitude at the end of it all but professor joe if i can just finish with you that mm. there have been calls in the past to actually prosecute professors when they've been making these claims that doesn't sit very well with me where, where do we draw the line
1: no, I, I don't think
2: prosecution is the answer. I mean, there is a precedent. Is right? I mean, you is a
1: pre- precedent. If you're you. Um, specifically defaming a person um, or otherwise you know, insulting I mean, them.
2: Over this particular issue, professor f- from Sejong University, Park Yu ha wrote a book called you know, Empire's uh, Comfort That's right, Women, and she was sued. And she was sued for yes, defamation, uh, yes. criminal defam- defamation. But
1: what I was encouraged um, about is the fact that these controversies are arising because it means that students are challenging what the professors are saying in their classrooms. Because previously, the hierarchical sort of culture even on campuses meant that it was very difficult for students to raise these kind of right. problems and objections. That's true
0: again i i really of all the subjects we've had in our radio salon this one seems to be pulling us in all different directions uh, and, and i'm sure we'll have the chance to pick up on some of these threads again but we do have to change topics professor Joel, thank you very much for for bringing that to our attention Not at all. um we've got a message from 3984 who says that student should get a prize for standing up against the professor uh, thank you for for weighing in on that um but we, it's not entirely a different theme. What we're going to talk about next are uh, with a young person standing up for the climate in the form of Greta Thunberg um, at the UN Climate Action Summit. But it's not just about Greta Thunberg either. It's about world leaders and it's really about all of us. Over to you, Jung Huang.
2: Right. Uh, This week is a big week for climate change news. First, there's the UN Climate Action Summit taking place, where President Moon Jae-in just delivered a speech on climate change on his own. And to time it, time to coincide with this summit, there is a a global climate strike going on. You you know, you might have, you know, many of you might might have seen this. You know, young Swedish climate activist Greta Thunberg uh, making a speech at this very summit. And there's basically a you know climate Strike, you know, organized by many young people around the world. According to organizers, there are about four million people participating worldwide. You know, in, in, in France, there's supposed to be or forty thousand. I think the biggest organization is taking place in Germany with one point four million. Um, in case you're wondering, there is a similar strike being ske- scheduled for Seoul this Friday, Gwangamun, with a target crowd size of so maybe me- a meager 2,000. And you know, the one thing to uh, kind of notice in the fact that in South Korean media and at least in in the SNS, this particular movement is not really taking um very widespread uh, 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 participation so you know i just wanted to throw out the que- throw out the question that is climate uh, change sort of you know a forgotten topic in south korea
0: well actually let's go straight to this message from appkid kid saying i was crying when i heard that un speech of a, of a teenager referring to greta thunberg I, I was embarrassed that i haven't taken interest in the climate conditions until now i think she's brave and smart and by the way a wonderful speaker I have huge admiration for her public speaking skills because she must have memorised a lot of that speech and was reading a little bit here and there, but she sounded like it was from the heart. And that is not a, an easy skill.
1: You know, it it was in from the heart. Um, mm. Even if she had memorised the speech, she was really saying what she felt and you could feel the fury emanating from that little body. Uh, and she was sincere when she said they are being robbed of their future because of our actions.
0: Yeah, um, let's just have a quick listen, because it helps set up our conversation. We've got it here, Greta Thunberg, speaking at the UN Climate Action Summit.
1: I should be back in school, on the other side of the ocean. Yet, you all come to us young people for hope. How dare you? You have stolen my dreams and my childhood with your empty words. And yet I'm one of the lucky ones
0: yeah um, it's 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 certainly a call to action but I Carried on as normal this morning. I, I don't know what my footprint was, but I, I didn't do anything particularly different, and I, I don't think I've done anything particularly different so far today. And I don't know if I will do anything particularly different tonight or tomorrow. Professor cho and and Zhang Huang, what do we need to do as individuals when we hear these kind of calls for action? Especially when I think many of us are looking to leaders like Donald Trump, knowing that whatever we do as individuals is nothing compared with what a president can do to a country's environment and energy policies.
1: Well, this is such a classic example of you know the problem of collective action. We all know that there are certain things that we can do as individuals, but we also know at a certain level that whatever we do is not really going to make a lot of difference unless uh, you know greater majority of the largest polluting worlds come together and actually decide on a a common course of action to reduce our footprint on earth and to you know stop the the rising temperatures we
0: we've heard recently on this very show how Koreans Uh, South Koreans um, don't have the data for North Korea create uh, more plastic waste per capita than than China, for example, and Mm. and many other countries who are supposed to be big polluters. So we all are using a lot of plastic. On the plus side, that data, there'll be a lag. And maybe the more recent actions of awareness will show the next time they collect that data that that we're making a difference. I I can't say for sure. Um, The other thing here... I I just don't know whether we're taking environmental issues seriously enough. The government is uh, increasing rather than decreasing coal imports for burning. We should be, all of us, not just school children, we should all of us find ways to make our voices heard and say no. Even if you don't believe in climate change, we should be saying how dare you burn that coal and stick it in the air for me to breathe along with my children. But are we doing that sufficiently, Zhong Huang?
2: Well, for issues that, you know, affect us day on our daily lives, I mean, South, well, not just South Koreans, but everybody, you know, foreigners, South Korean citizens, residents living in South Korea, for you know, voice their displeasure, you know, about the fine dust problem, right? When, you know, fine dust is out there and it's hard to breathe, everybody, you know, you know, complains about it and politicians realize that this is a big issue and everybody makes, you know, big campaign promises. Climate change, you know, is it's a big issue, but it's kind a kind of distant very slow moving,
0: and, and people feel they've been lied to. They don't know if they can trust governments, uh, even the governments who are talking about climate change. They don't know, you know, they, they say, "Oh, well, I thought this or that place was supposed to be underwater by now, and it's still doing
2: fine." Well, at least in South Korea, I think uh, climate change denialism is on the rise. I mean, there's very few people who subscribe to the idea to you know pro- proselytize about you know the fact that you know all this climate change uh, alarm is you know all f- f- false, unlike you know, some other places. But okay. I think what is prevalent is kind of apathy. You know, fine dust problem is a kind of immediate issue that everybody feels like they need to call up their politicians and pressure pressure them. But climate change, at least in South Korea, you know, yeah, it's a big issue that probably should be left to US, China, India. But, but let's
0: start with fine dust, Professor Cho.
1: Well, before we get to fine dust, I, okay. just, I just wanted to... Um, question whether it's really apathy that's kind of making us not pay attention to this issue so much i think helplessness perhaps i mean i don't think we care any less about our environment than other people or people in other countries do i think it's more that we are perhaps a little bit more focused on short-term results um and we uh, we sort of feel ourselves under certain other types of pressures, um, particularly economic ones, and that that we sort of have feel that we have to make this trade-off. Plus the fact that, you know, we are the proverbial frogs in that pot um, and the water is getting, getting warmer, but it's not becoming boiling hot yet. And so we don't really notice it as much. And so it's not the most immediate problem that we we are facing i think that might be more of a problem Um, i feel
0: chris has got in touch saying saying and proposing solutions are two separate matters St. Greta Thunberg's no better than the US Congresswoman who suggests we no longer fly and kill all the cows because of the gas they produce and stop having children because they're a drain on the fragile environment. I would pay more attention to her if she proposed solutions rather than ranting at the world. I mean, firstly, I've got to say thank you for the message because we always appreciate feedback. Uh, But...
1: That's a big ask, isn't it? Yeah, it's a
0: big ask on a, on a young girl. But also the problem is... Sorry, the solution's inside the problem. Like, if you're in a car that's hurtling towards the edge of a cliff and you're complaining that you're hurtling towards the edge of the cliff, the, the, the solution's to stop the car somehow. She doesn't necessarily know how. If the brakes aren't working, you got to jump out, you got to find some way. Mm. She wants us all to, to pay attention.
1: That's right. Treat this more seriously than we have been.
0: And... And to stop making things like economic growth by measure of GDP the priority for a country's measurement of how it's doing on the world stage.
1: Yes, and possibly that might be the most practical solution that we could do or we could all agree on
0: because investors are they're all we're all worried about investors and how wall street and various financial districts around the world are, are so jittery every time this or that happens there's an african swine fever outbreak here there's a little bit of a geopolitical tension outbreak there but instead of worrying about the little micro flickers on the markets Uh, which obviously do have an impact, we have to change that attitude somehow. But again, how? It's this collective versus individual. It's when you then look to the leaders, like Trump, who can make a difference, like Xi Jinping, who can make a difference. I don't know, Moon Jae-in can locally make a difference. He he can't really change things with the US and China, though.
1: Not on his own, certainly not.
2: Well, we did have a president who wanted to stick green in front of everything. I mean, I'm talking about pre- former President Lee Myung ba again. If anybody remembers, you know, five years of his administration, green everything was basically... He actually I
1: mean, established the, the
2: the green, the green climate, climate fund, fund in yes, in, 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 in Songdo, That's right. But you know, not just that. You know, like back then. You know, during the Pakan administration, creative everything was kind of the fad. But if you sort of you know remember back to you know about seven years ago, green everything was a total fad in Korea. Whether that actually had any substantive uh, impact on thinking about climate change, we did have a leader at least that gave a really a, a lot of lip service. I would probably say more than any other leader. Uh, in around the world about you know wanting to put, put he just literally wanted to add he and uh, all his civil servants i guess wanted to add green in front of everything
0: uh, i talked about plastic waste before that uh, you yeah, know it, it somehow confuses this conversation let's start as i said before with fine dust mm-hmm. as a country i think it y- you've got the motivation because you don't want to breathe dirty air and it's a very visible manifestation of what we're doing to the uh, the, the climate with carbon emissions. Uh, we're all going to have to find a way to compromise somehow, therefore, as well, on how much energy we use, how much we drive, the way we transport ourselves. Isn't this a perfect place to start for this country? One of the worst air-polluted countries in the world?
1: Absolutely. And at the same time, it's a perfect example of how uh, this is a problem that we can't solve on our own, and there is that collective action problem because uh, you know there is a dispute as to what proportion um, the problem China. comes from China exactly. Mm. So regardless of how much we reduce our own, you know, pollutant and emissions here in Korea, there is always going to be a certain level that's going to be affected by activities that are happening in in China that's outside of our control. And so...
0: But we've got to clean clean up our own house.
1: That's true. I mean,
2: there's a bit of a hypocrisy in the debate in the sense that, yes, a large portion of the findouts is coming from China, but just because we decrease a domestic portion, somehow the Chinese portion is going to increase. So whatever portion that we decrease in the domestic production of fine dust it will decrease you know fine dust problem in korea yeah. but you know this is so far so south korean government hasn't been all that serious about you know saying okay let's really crack down on you know big uh, big power plants big construction sites you know put on scrubbers on all the cars i mean it might take you know a lot of discomfort and a lot of money expenditure but you know, uh, despite everyone be, be feeling uncomfortable that level of political act- activity hasn't really taken place in Korea
1: because it comes back to the point of it's going to affect economic growth so we are in this kind of you know, almost a vicious circle uh, going round and round around the same problem uh,
0: we've got um, 5548 saying I completely agree with Professor Cho there are so many other immediate problems in our faces you don't have the space to look at the big picture it can feel that way can't it three nine eight four imion Bach wasn't green he might have liked the word green but he didn't care about the environment and thank you also for getting in touch uh, with us Uh, i mean different motivations allegations of corruption all these problems around green projects around the world seem to undermine efforts um we've also got 3016 saying i don't believe that we should show some kind of response just because the young generation is making sense and voicing their opinions, sometimes Koreans in their 20s do not make sense in their view or logic. Well, I, you know, again, it's not because they're young that we should listen to them. It's it's we should listen to them whether they're young or not, I think is the point, isn't it?
1: You know, what really sort of struck me is how this whole movement uh, by Greta Thunberg started because she basically started striking for the climate, not going to school one day a week. And I just thought to myself... Would that have worked here in Korea if a student, like at back then she was maybe 12, 13 years old, well, if a 13-year-old said to her parents, Mom, Dad, I'm not going to go to school on Fridays from now on because I'm going to strike well, for the climate. F-
0: for those of us listening now who are parents, how would we have responded? Probably not very well, I, I would imagine. We, we're out of time, but thank you so much for bringing it to our attention, for helping us see the difference between, I think, humanity and individuals and how that works in impacting change, but Greta Thunberg has shown us one person really can make a difference. Zhang Huang, Professor Cho, great to have you here with our radio salon.
1: Thank you.